This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy. Dahlia Fami, owner of Sports and Ortho Therapy, is here today. And we wanted to talk to her about her rehab for uh, city employees, especially with their aggressive rehab program that allows injured members, even with catastrophic injuries, to return to duty within a five-month period. And for anybody who works for the city, uh, that time frame is really important because... Um, if we're off for uh, more than six months, you could potentially lose your spot. You lose your uh, place in your firehouse. And, and uh, you know, uh, most of us want to get back to work as soon as possible. What, uh, what do you guys do over there? What, what's so aggressive about your training over there, Dahlia? Well, you know, we have a saying that our therapy is not like your grandma's clinic. So we definitely, from day one, I mean, we know what it takes to get the members back to work. We've got the equipment to get them back to work. We've got the training to get them back to work. Uh, we've been working with the fire department and police department for 17 years. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself an honorary CFD member <laughs> with all the people that I've treated. Um, so we're just very aggressive from day one, knowing exactly what they need to do to get back. Yeah, I noticed uh, you guys are big on one-on-one -on -one time over there. What do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So every uh, patient of ours gets 45 minutes of hands-on time, whatever that looks like, manual therapy, basically. So where we're just moving their bodies with their hands. And then they get another like 45 minutes to 90 minutes of exercise in our gym because that's what they need to get back. We're not going to have them in the clinic for like 30 minutes and say, okay, get out of here. We, we want them working hard. It's better than gym membership, Vince. <laughs> well, so, right. Yeah, I know, I know for a fact that you go to any one of these um, franchise or commercial uh, rehab centers, you're not going to get one-on-one -on -one therapy and you'd be lucky to get 45 minutes with the actual therapist that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sets us apart. So um, another thing that I thought was super interesting is uh, you guys really focus on kinetic chain biomechanics over there. Yeah, so that basically means we look at a person from head to toe. We recognize that, you know, the body doesn't work in isolation. So you can't come in for a shoulder problem and the therapist only looks at your shoulder. You've got to look at the whole body as um, a kinetic chain. So that's what... Um, you know, we do at our clinic, we're fellowship trained in kinetic chain biomechanics. We're the only clinic in Chicago that's soon to have nine fellows, which is a pretty big deal. Wow. Yeah. So we spend a lot of money training our therapists to be the best. Yeah. And it shows, it shows for sure. Um, yeah. And everybody knows, you know, that's, it, it should be standard practice where um, all of our movements are interconnected. So the fact that you guys focus on that is really cool. So sports and ortho physical therapy, Dahlia has been taking care of our guys for 17 years. Uh, you can check them out at sportsandortho.net. Thanks, Dahlia. Thank you, guys. episode we have the Nielsen's we have uh, Mark Nielsen and Scotty Nielsen thank you guys for coming in you're welcome appreciate it. Us. Uh, Our honor. we got between the two of you guys we got a lot to cover a lot to cover oh, yeah. um, 
But uh, yeah, uh, you know, um, before we get started, we kind of, you know, today's a special day. Scotty has his t-shirt on and uh, mm-hmm. Julia, can you do me a favor? Will you grab that cake out of there, please? Oh boy. And today we're recording. It's November 11th, 10th. which is November 10th. Oh, I'm sorry. November 10th. I'm so sorry. 245 years old. Oh my God. So 245 years old. That. That's awesome. We, we got you a cake and there's, there's plates and, and forks right there, but um, we wanted to uh, show our gratitude and thank you for your service. And w- it wouldn't be your birthday without cake and beer. Yep. Yep. Nice. So, <laughs> That's a good combo. Nice. So, thank, you. thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that if, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of leave it there and we'll, uh, we'll hit that cake uh, as we go. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> we'll hit the cake uh, when we hit these uh, amazing topics that we're about to cover. Uh, let's start with um, you, Chief. Uh, what uh, you know? Where'd you grow up? Uh, how how this long journey and how many years? Thirty eight years with the fire department. Just short of thirty eight. I like to say thirty seven years, nine months, six days. But who's counting? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was it was uh, just short of thirty eight years. A tremendous career. Uh, I mean, it's the best thing I'll next say. to being a garbage man, and I couldn't make that. So. <laughs> um, where did I grow up? Uh, North and Central is where I uh, frequented most of my childhood. We actually moved into a two-flat right around uh, 67 and uh, grew up in that neighborhood, Kevin Casey's neighborhood. Yay, Kevin. We heard <laughs> yeah. Kevin's podcast. He did a great job. Uh, but, yeah, nice neighborhood, uh, pretty much very much like the neighborhood that we're in right now, Edison Park. Um, but, uh yeah, that's like ninety six. Yeah, very blue collar. My dad was a telephone man, a, a blue shirt on a t- with the telephone company, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to Lane Tech from there. And uh, what what got you to want to get into the fire service? I don't know if you ever heard the show Emergency. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's been a common theme. Um, really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So uh, I guess uh, Roy DeSoto and whatever the other guy's name, yeah, definitely uh, influential in me getting into the fire service, specifically EMS. That that was my drive. Believe it, I get funny looks when I hear this. <laughs> no, ah, yeah. well, they were they, they were the first paramedics. Right? I, I I mean I had no clue yeah. what really what the fire service was all about and how great it was. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was my drive. And, well, and I think a lot of people on CFD don't know that you were a paramedic and, it and was a, that'll be our secret okay <laughs> <laughs> well when we when i uh finally got to talk to you on the phone about actually doing this interview we uh goofed around about i i think it may have been like one of our um i, I don't know it wasn't our last encounter but um the most memorable one that you and i've had together uh, at uh, Chicago Marathon. What an incredible, um, I, I, I mean, I, I still talk about you being <laughs> one of the best paramedics on the job. Oh. And just your oh. aggressiveness. You're, you guys, you're, I mean, all the guys on the bikes, they're, they're incredible. And they had this, I don't know how old the patient was, but uh, I want to say he was in his 50s, running a marathon, collapses on, I think it was State Street or whatever street it well, was. So hi- historically, I started kind of figuring out where most of the runners have issues in the course. Yeah, that'd be and mile so, 25. <laughs> it, it, really, it, it really yeah, was. Yeah. And so, like, I kind of, like, throughout the course of a couple of years, I kind of figured out where the hot spot was, like, to be right. there on the bikes. 
And sure enough, uh, you came walking over. We had a patient, and it wasn't anything crazy. And then literally 20 feet or something like that from where we were already working, a guy dropped dead. Right, right, <laughs> and, yep. And we had already started an IV, and we're hanging, so... I mean, you, you <laughs> comment about my paramedic schools. I held the freaking bag. That was that was my job. So here I am, like I'm, I'm a relatively new paramedic, and I'm going to a guy with more bugles than his shirt could possibly hold on to at that time. And I'm like, Chief, can you hold this bag? <laughs> you know, because and he's no, like, go, and he's I like, basically, go, go get him. You know, and we ran over there. Go and, get him, kid. And it was, it was us, and then some doctors and some. But what and I was, really remember was that that military guy. That ran over, and he did CPR like I've never seen anybody do CPR. I didn't even know about him. Oh, yeah, he oh. he came over, and I was like, "Hey, man, can you give me a hand here?" And he just started wailing on this guy. <laughs> I was like, I like stopped. And I was like, "Now there is effective CPR right there. If, if this guy has a one in a million chance of coming back, it's he's getting it from this guy." Yeah, the one. You guys did an awesome job, and it was a save. It was a save. It was my first. I don't know how many it was for you, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we'll, was, we put you on the books that day, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was looking through the notes. Vince actually put this in as, you're welcome for my service. Because he really wanted you to say how good of a paramedic it was. I guess we're done. <laughs> right. Well, well thank you for gotta... tuning in to Chicago's Bravest Stories. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try to do this so that we kind of go back and forth here. So, yeah. Scotty, um, how old were you when you actually started, like, like being able to remember about your dad being in the fire service. And, you know, I know you did a couple rides and stuff like that. So allegedly, <laughs> when did you really start getting into it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, my dad always messed jokes around that, uh, I was at the firehouse with him in a booster seat, you know, riding with the buggy. Oh. So I mean, it, pretty young. So you didn't really have a say in the matter is what you're saying. <laughs> well, he did. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He could cry. Yeah. 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 No, 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 he did. Uh, I always, always had an interest. Yeah, from the, yeah. The very start. So, this, were you, this, were you guys? Uh, were you, were you guys the only guys in the fire service in the family, or do you guys have other family that's in? Or oh, your brother. Right? My brother. Well, yeah. now, brother. now, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. No, nobody prior. That's it. Prior huh? to I, I was destined to be a telephone man. I tell people, <laughs> I had a grandmother that was an operator. My dad was a phone company. My mom, my sister, and I was. Uh, it was inevitable. And it what was, what wow. did your old man tell you when you wanted to go? To, he was like, "What are you doing?" No, not at all. No. Uh, now, now when I came on the job, it was during the strike, so that was a little bit different scenario. And my my dad was uh, he was on strike with the phone company for seven months, and my sister still talks about the fact she thought he was an ice cream man for about I don't know how many years because that's what he did during the strike. Oh, okay. but his comment when when I was offered the job, he said, "Go in." He says, "He just says all firemen are scabs," and I didn't necessarily agree with that, but. I, I saw where he's coming from. There are a lot of firemen out there banging nails or doing whatever right. without a union card, and that was his yeah. point. And, uh, and he probably saw that during his strike with, I don't know, maybe some firemen doing telephone company work. I don't know. Right. But uh, he, he was actually, my dad was, uh, uh, they didn't call him a BA, but kind of equivalent to that level uh, with, with the phone company. So he was a big union guy, and uh, yeah. that, that was his position back then when I came on. Wow. Yeah. And you were that's fair. 20, right? 
I was 20 years old. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so coming out of high school, I kind of skipped over that. I, I was going to go one of two routes, either military or uh, paramedic school. Not paramedic school immediately, but EMT school. And uh, my dad kind of uh, uh, directed me. He said, you don't want to go into service. He had been. He was a Navy guy. He said, you don't want to do that. And I said, okay, I don't want to do that. So I went to EMT school. Don't you want me to finish that, Julie? <laughs> so, thank you. Um, so I went to EMT school, went to Truman College. Uh, George Bros, Bob Williams were my two instructors. You guys probably never heard of them. Uh, but they're, they're both CFD guys. One, one was a field chief. One, uh, I think he's still in Hawaii. I think he lives in Hawaii, Bob Williams. But uh, anyway, finished up that. Uh, got hired by... Uh, Actually, Abbey Ambulance, you probably never heard of them either. Uh, and I worked for a, a Medicar. They, they, they had a Medicar division, and I was kind of forced into that. How, how long was paramedic school then? Well, I wasn't in there yet, but paramedic school was six months-ish, about six months. Yeah, not too long. So uh, uh, I eventually got hired by Advanced Ambulance, worked there for uh, a year and a half, and then I got into medic school at Masonic. And a bunch of us got into school after being promised by the company that we would be going to St. Francis, which was the, uh, the, the, the company that worked with uh, Advance. And we ended up not getting into St. Francis and going on our own to Masonic. Really? But uh, mm. good, good program and a lot of city guys, a lot of CETA guys. I don't know if you heard of that. Yeah, uh, Jim Stedman talked about CETA. CETA, and, um, right. Was it... Uh, I, if I recall correctly, he said that it was kind of a program for, uh, you know, other military guys who were coming back to the world to give them an opportunity it, it, to go to work. It was. was it I don't know if it was specifically designed for that, but that there, there the was certainly a out? lot of military guys, which was not my, you know, not, not me. Uh, but there were civilians that weren't didn't have any kind of military background that were being hired. In fact, my father went to an alderman's office and offered him thousands of dollars to get me hired as a CETA guy. Really? I guess it wasn't enough. <laughs> I guess it wasn't enough. Even back then. Even back then. So uh, no hire. So I worked for four bucks an hour at advance, and it was fine. It was, a, it was a good group of guys I worked for. A lot of the guys actually ultimately came on the fire department. Either as a medic or a firefighter. Joe Renda that. Uh... Joe Renda was. We were partners, and uh, he's really the reason that uh, that I became a fireman or had any interest in the fire service at all. So we were partners, and uh, he had learned about Chicago Fire Department fire tests coming up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, "Why don't you take it?" And I said, "Why would I do that?" And he talked further and decided, "Okay, this is a good idea. Let's try it. We'll give it a try." So we actually practiced. We kind of set up shop. There were uh, five or six different stations that you had to go through for the physical agility. And that was the, the, really, the, the one thing that put you on the list, gave you a number. Everything else was uh, based on a, a fourth or fifth grade uh, reading test, I believe it was. Do you remember was. what the physical agility test they yeah. included? Well, I mean, and it's not going to sound too difficult, but it was competitive. So, you know, a guy that was real competitive uh, did quite well, but I'll try to remember all the stations. One of them was uh, simply putting uh, uh, three lines into a Siamese, into three-way Siamese. You just had to thread them right and not be too <laughs> nervous. So that, that wasn't too physical there. Uh, there was another section where you had to run up to the third floor, I believe, up the fire escape uh, 
with originally it was with the hose pack and then they changed it to an SCBA pack. But with me, it was a hose pack. And it was just a timed event. So, you know, if you were an athlete and you, you know, worked out, you, you did better than the next guy, and that put you higher in the list. The most competitive thing on that, I do recall, and what everyone focused on was hang time. I don't know if uh, it, Jimmy oh, yeah. Stedman talked about that or, or Kevin Casey, but uh, basically getting on a, a chin-up bar and staying up there as long as you can until your arms are fully extended. You had to have your chin over the bar? No, you, you could go all the-, the way down, but once you start going down, you kept going that way. <laughs> right. So, yeah, there's no stopping that momentum. But uh, uh, the other thing that was uh, an obstacle course, and interesting, interestingly, they had, well, they had a horizontal 20-foot ladder that was supported by uh, two wooden horses. You had to straddle over that thing, go, go across it. Uh, you had to put sandbags over a window, then crawl through a window. They had this big uh, sash. Uh, you had to run through like a, a three-foot uh, sewer pipe that was probably about 20 feet long. Uh, I don't actually remember all the other events, but there, it was an obstacle course that you had to do. And interesting thing, they had a puke bucket at the end of it. <laughs> This giant drum. <laughs> Convenient. So, and you had to do this rotation that I just described. I probably missed a few of the stations, but you had to do it three times. Again, oh, three times, huh? Again, it, it, it sounds easy, and it is easy, but it's a timed event. So you're competitive with, with the rest of the 20,000 people that are taking the test. So that, that, that's what it's all about. What year was this? I took the test in 77. Okay, so the, the rules... And they had classes in place already in 77, and, and I know Kevin Casey, uh, who was a guest on this show, he was hired in 78, the next year later. Um, but in, seven, was it 77 or 78? It might have been 78. It could have been 78. Uh, it was 78. It was 78. So uh, you had... Vince's 30th birthday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be uh, 19 years of age to take the test. And I was 19 by one week. Oh my God. Now, now, back in the day, and I, I'm not saying that anyone did this, but they did. Uh, <laughs> if, and I'll give names later. <laughs> I'm not going to give any names. But your driver's license was a piece of paper, real thin cardboard. Yeah. You could easily change the date of birth. So guys erased it and changed it. And I probably would have done the same thing if, yeah, if yeah. I had needed to, but I didn't. Um, so you would actually knock people out? In this test, all com- 100% competitive, and, and it, it sounds like it sounds like fucking American Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. Was there a written? Well, the written was. Uh, I, I believe fourth you had a fourth or fifth grade reading yeah, level to pass it. That was it. So, yeah, Dick and Jane type stuff. Dick and Jane. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, Dick and Jane and uh, very basic reading. You had to know all your colors, primary colors, and you were good to go. Oof. That, that could Sounds like your lieutenant's <laughs> test, right, Corey? I'll tell you, it was not, not much that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scotty, I know that um, you were in Gary for a little while, right? Yes, I was. Now, yeah. were you in Gary when Gary, like, burnt to the ground every single day? Uh, uh, well, you're probably thinking of... Um, they had a bad, they had like a bad go of it, right? Yeah. 2000. No, 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 that was, uh, I was way after that. Uh, so I got hired in Gary in 20, uh, 2013. I, it was a big class of 30 of us. Half of us were from Illinois and had our fire two already. And then half half the other guys were from Indiana. So they put us through an academy. It was just a month long. 
we already had a fire too, so it crossed over in Indiana. And then, uh, you know, we, we started was it, on was the Was it fun out there? Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, um, I always say we did a lot with a little, you know, a little, yeah. little equipment, a little manpower, but uh, very engine-orientated fire department. Yeah. Um, very and, little uh, truck the, work. The struggle was uh, getting rigs in service, keeping rigs in service, because you show up and... You know, your rig breaks down, and now they scatter everyone, you know, across the city. There was uh, a time, uh, I think we had, like, four four houses uh, up in the city, you know, out of 13. You know, it's pretty <laughs> insane. But uh, they were going through some struggles. I think it's a little better now with, yeah. uh, with the rigs and, and manpower. But, um, no, it was fun. I had a lot of fun out there. I was going to say, I think they're still outs. burning every day now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they, they definitely do their share. It's kind of a, I would kind of say it's a mini Detroit. So. Yeah, no kidding. And that was, uh, so right out of high school? No. So uh, out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps. And I was in the Marine Corps four years until 2012. And then uh, got out. Um, I was in Pendleton, in Camp Pendleton, California. So okay. I was in the infantry, uh, machine gunner, 0331. And uh, did Oorah. a couple deployments. Yeah, and uh, came out and... Um, you know, I always, you know, knew I wanted to get on the fire department ever since I was yeah. a little kid, like I was saying. And so I uh, went to EMT school at uh, Triton mm. and got hired in uh, Posen, actually way south. Okay. So yeah. shout out to those guys. You know, they're, they're great out there. Uh, should we know, shout out busy, to Dan Bracken? Uh, yeah. Should, should, yeah. Should we do it? Oh, awesome guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's yeah. the best. All right, Danny, you got your shout yeah. out. Here's, here's yeah. to you, Dan Bracken. Um, <laughs> God so bless you. So, so, yeah, I was um, opposing so, and then uh, started testing, but I was, you know, limited on where I can test because I wasn't a paramedic. So, um, what, what drove you in the military? Bef- uh, like I, I said, I always wanted to be in a fire department, and at the time, that was a, a great advantage uh, having a military. Okay. Yeah. You so, know, you, you went, you went overseas during your deployment, right? Yes. And, um, I mean, for what I was reading, um, you were in a pretty active part of uh helmet yeah in afghanistan helmet yeah. province yeah so yeah, 2010 um and to bring that back to your dad you wrote a book during his deployment right yes i did i uh, i kept a daily diary of my thoughts as a parent and what a parent goes through when they're uh, when their kids overseas specifically at so, war so it was, it was more like a, a like a diary of your thoughts and your concerns while he was overseas it is right and you were there for 6 months yeah overseas? 6 7 months yeah april november yeah 7 but who's counting yeah. and so like what what made you want to put your long. thoughts <laughs> into a published work yeah that's, that's a great question i when, when he was in boot camp i i wrote him a letter every single day and it was basically to keep him informed of what was going on in the city and so forth and maybe relieve some of my stress he ended up getting all the letters at the end of his uh, boot right. camp one in one bag dumped on a yeah. table oh so you weren't you weren't reading these in real time then huh <laughs> no, no no okay no. snail so, mail anyway when he got deployed i kept writing so i just i wanted to put my thoughts and i just did a paragraph or two for each day just kind of you know Things that are going around in the city and the nation, and I what think it was—it was kind of a bucket list thing for you too to to have to publish a book just yeah. in general. Yeah. And so then, yeah. yeah, halfway through it, I said, you know what, publishing—I uh, I think a chimpanzee could do it nowadays <laughs> with with the way things are published. You don't you know, you don't need anyone to actually approve it, or you you know it's all done electronically, so uh, not a big you know, deal. It's even easier than that. 
podcast. <laughs> oh my god! That nice. But that'll be our you secret. You could be a moron. That'll be our secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you wow. so you did you when you initially started writing your thoughts down, you didn't have the idea of making it a book, did you? Not initially. I would say maybe a quarter of the way into it, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know what, this would be a good book. Because I, I was sharing some of the ideas with other people and some of the other people were other parents. And you, and they, they, did you have to go through the whole process of selling it to a publisher? And Well, no, that's the beauty of it. Uh, the publisher that I use actually it's sold on Amazon. Ding, uh, ding, give, ding, the, ding, give the name ding. out. Give the name <laughs> yeah. out. So yeah, it, it's called My Son, Boy, Man, Marine. And it is available on Amazon, and uh, the price I can't tell you it changes every uh, day. Last time I looked, uh, it was like twenty four bucks. Or oh, something it ain't like that, that much. I don't. It shouldn't be. Yeah, okay. yeah. You can get it cheaper than that, guys. And it's available at the library too. Uh, it's actually there's, there's uh, plenty of copies at one hundred one sounds too. <laughs> oh, <are there? laughs> oh God, these yeah. guys probably got to do research oh, to, yeah. to bust your balls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got the, oh, look at March nineteenth. What happened to the other son? He didn't get a book about it. Is, is that why Brian bought eighty four copies? Yeah, right. <laughs> the prodigal son. Right, right. Here he is. <laughs> no kidding. So and and like while you're writing these letters so you ended up receiving them while you were overseas you got just this bullet riddled bag of, of <laughs> no, that was in boot camp that was in boot camp oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah right and how um yeah care to talk about or you want to talk about any of your time overseas or yeah, I mean, not I even was, overseas just in the service in general i mean it i was in camp pendleton in california it was you know right. southern california you know beautiful out there um, and then, you know, that's where we did all our training for the most part. We, you know, we went to, you know, uh, 29 Palms, California, and, you know, other okay. Arizona, you know, uh, Bridgeport, California, did all our training. But mostly in that western, you know, the western uh, part of the country. And then yeah. uh, two deployments. One was straight to Afghanistan, seven months. Um, you know, it was, um, it was a lot of uh, not – so – my unit was uh, the main effort in, in Fallujah, in the second push in Fallujah in Iraq. And uh, so those guys were, were awesome. You know, when I first joined that unit, they were, you know, battle-hardened and, you know, really good dudes. And um, so, but they fought a totally different war in Iraq than we did in Afghanistan. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of Iraq was all urban, you know, door-to-door, you know, hand-to-hand even. You know, it was, it was insane. Right. Where I was, it was all farmland. And it was like just sporadic villages here and there, and uh, so totally different. A lot more, you know, IDs and you know that stuff. I was so, gonna say a lot of roadside. Yeah, and so stuff we had to take our time, that. patrol, and and try to find, you know, trying to find, uh, you know, uh, all of the wire, you know, for IDs and stuff, and you know, right. So it was, it was just a totally different, yeah, okay. totally different. Uh, so what was your specific leader. mission over there with your unit? What were you, what were you guys responsible for? So everyone says, you know, uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, you yeah. know, kind of thing. It was, it was a lot hearts of Hearts and minds? Yeah, winning hearts and minds. Um, and, um, you know, and then and then we had, you know, the, obviously the Taliban out there. So, you know, we had that to um, to deal with. But um, He's just going to give you a quick adjustment right yeah. there. Are you good there? Yeah. Am I too close? Actually, Not close enough? Okay. There you go. All right. So, yeah, no, it was uh, – it was a good experience. I uh, people say, "Oh, do I do I miss the, the Marine Corps? I, I miss the miss the characters, you know. Don't miss the you know the circus, right? 
<laughs> I, I'm sure you're, you're the same. You miss the clowns, not the circus. Right. That's yeah. our saying. Right. Yep. Yeah, so. Yep. So does no, the saying uh, still go for you? Of course. <laughs> and, and I've said it twice today <laughs> at last day gatherings. I said yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So Scott's a very humble individual, and he's not going to tell you about his combat action ribbon, which is a big deal in the Marine Corps. And uh, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically to get that, it's got to be witnessed by an officer. Combat, exchange of fire, and in both directions, and uh, an officer witnesses it. So there's a lot of guys that have been through that, but didn't have the officer witnessing the uh, the actual interaction. So he has I a don't comp- think it necessarily said have an officer witness, but oh, think, it's not. No, okay. I think I my, think just like my an bad. award on a fire department, you know, like it, it gets that's how it gets started. Kind well, of it's thing, not bullshit you know? like that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but very official. No, it's, yeah. no, that's. Um, I would say that's that's a pretty uh, prestigious. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, no. and, and yeah, I mean, when and just so people people that listen that maybe don't have a background in the fire service at all, um, a lot of times when you're taking a test for, um, oftentimes at least I know, it's oftentimes for like um, a lot of suburbs, and um, I'm not sure if this does the city do it now, preferential. Yep. Um, points. Yeah, for, okay, for military. Good. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes with these tests, um, departments will give you preferential um, extra points towards hiring. They'll kind of add to your. So it's test not scores. necessarily points, but they every time they call a like a referral list for mm-hmm. an academy class, they have to call a certain percentage. A certain percentage of those people have to be military. So I think it's twenty five percent. I don't even I know the percentage. I think it's twenty five percent out of out of everyone called has to be military. So they'll drop down oh, wow. further in the list to grab military. Okay. And I knew that, you know, way before. So that's awesome. what I, I wanna get hired on a fire department. So Yeah, and you know what, and I mean absolutely to your credit Scott. Like it's not like and not to say shit on any other um servicemen, but um you know what? It's the Marine Corps. Say it. Yeah. Marine Corps. <laughs> Marines are the best. Say it. Yeah, absolutely. Marines are the best. And like, it's not. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Story is brought to you by Omnia Naturals. As you know, the job can be just as tough on us mentally as it is physically. Sleep issues, chronic pain, or injuries, and high stress can cause long-term problems. That's why Omnia Naturals create Rescue One CBD. These guys are firefighters on the job that have created a product from American-grown organic hemp and ensure their products have 0.000% THC. That's zero parts per billion of THC. Non-detectable levels of THC means Rescue One CBD is safe for the job. They're so confident in their product that they send you an at-home urinalysis so that you can see for yourself and that you won't test positive on a drug test. Every batch they create is lab tested to ensure purity and that there is 0.000% THC every time. Each bottle gets a scannable QR code where you can review their lab tests. They offer free three-day shipping anywhere in the U.S. And if you use the code BRAVEST, you'll receive 25% off of their products. Go to Omninaturals.com to get your bottle of Rescue One CBD that's safe for the job. Scott, you didn't you didn't leave high school and say, you know what, um, 
I think I'm going to be stationed. I, I think I'm going to try and get into the Coast Guard Reserves right. um, up in wherever, you know, over in Arizona where there's yeah. a ton of water. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> know, no, you, I figured you if hard. I was going to join the military, I'm going to, you know. But you, you went to the military specifically to get a leg up on getting into the fire department, right? Right. Right. Yeah, awesome. that's, yeah. That, and, that's cool. and you went hard on it. So <laughs> right. Fucking God bless you. Man. Thank you. Um, no, uh, we're, uh, we were, we didn't, uh, call me Mark underneath, <laughs> underneath your welcome for your service on this okay. point is, uh, <laughs> make, make him force Corey to call him Mark <laughs> by, by, by calling him chief over and over and oh, over again. Please no chief. I'm not a chief any longer. Ask my wife. She's the chief. Mm. Right. It's fair. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, how, this how long do you have? My... Uh, so I, I joined the military in 2008. Oh, okay. so you had, um, oh, so oh, this was. Were... You were 2010, in. so years? yeah. I mean, I had yeah at what, least. What rank were you at at that point? At that time, when uh, I was a district chief in charge of safety, uh, at that point, I think in 2010. When yeah. well, when you were deployed, when yeah. when yeah, at that point. We got to go way back. Yeah, because yeah. we got we have you starting at Engine 44, which is uh, my prior house. Right. How was uh, your so, time there? You so back it up with uh, showing up to. 95. Oh, okay. So my my <laughs> first day actually in a firehouse. Now the the strike is over. Let let me kind of talk about the strike say, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I get hired in the strike. So uh, I I was I, I had a decent number on the list, and I was called relatively soon when the strike occurred. Now there was a group of of I don't. Uh, did you have someone from the two fifty group? No, Timothy. No. He's he's with that other podcast group. <laughs> Uh, he was in a 250 group, so the, what that the possibly meant, better podcast. Group. Oh. <laughs> well, they have video, so yeah. oh. they always said I had a face for radio. So here I am. Anyway, uh, uh, Timothy was in that group. Uh, Mike Timothy was in that group, and uh, there was a, a group of us that probably would have started after that. Uh, but the strike came about. Uh, I was called on the 18th, which is four days after the strike actually happened, and I turned it down. I turned it down. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. It's, it's not the right thing to Seeing do. Seeing what's going on. This is before this. I asked my dad. <laughs> oh, the big union guy. Yeah, right, right, oh, no. right. No, I was going to turn it down. And, yeah. and I thought, you know, that's the right thing to do. And uh, uh, now the 19th comes around, and I hear about more of my buddies going in that were on the list, and they're getting called. And uh, my buddy, Joe Renda. Joe, I hope you don't mind me mentioning your name. Mm. Uh, but, but Joe took the job. And I said, shit, you know, I was way ahead of Joe on the, on the list. And, and you know what? I'm going in. So, and plus, uh, you had, it wasn't called HR at the time, but personnel, they're calling you and they're saying, okay, this is one waiver. Okay. Oh, they, they, Thank you. Kind of yeah. like how they're doing did, now. Did they still the, have three? Well, I, I, I believe you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Call you again. This is two waivers. Right. So, you know, getting so you. So they're kind of like scaring kinda you into. Scaring you into it, of course, of course. And uh, uh, I decided to go in on the 18th, so I, or, or the 20th. The 20th is when I actually got hired. And so how many people were you in your class then? Well, we didn't have a class. <laughs> okay. uh, a lot of us reported to initially Navy Pier. There was a big gym there. Uh, a lot of folks were processed. We ended up going to the Daily Center for Physicals. There was, there was actually a, a medical center or was in the basement of the Daily Center. And uh, then taken right via multiple vans going back and forth, we ended up at the academy. So we're at the academy, 
And uh, I hope I Ubered that day, but <laughs> they didn't have Uber. They didn't have Uber. So uh, 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 lo and behold, they run out of gear. So they're sending guys like us that have never, don't have any fire knowledge at all, and putting guys on the street to literally usually pick up holes. Yeah, yeah not, not necessarily put fires out. Uh, and I was kind of anxious to do that. I'm glad I didn't. In, in hindsight, it would have been a foolish thing. But, you know, a lot of guys were forced to do it. But they ran out of gear. So we didn't have any gear. It got to, got to me, no gear left. So we sat in the academy for, for probably a week and a half. And then we ended up going to a satellite, a, a different firehouse. And it was called a satellite training center. And the place I went to was uh, Engine 76, which is Ambulance 52. 52. Right? Yeah. 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 So we get Plasky there. We pull North. up. What's that? Plasky and North Avenue? Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, Plasky and North. Yeah. So we pull up in a, like a, a charter bus. It was like a Greyhound bus. And all of us scabs come off the bus, go into the fires, and there's a bunch of strikers out there. And uh, and oh and they're you know they're kind of you know getting in their way, and I probably would have gotten gotten in the way too if I was in their shoes. Uh, but we all go in the house, and then uh, probably after about a day or two, they realized that this house is not open for anything. There were rigs in there, but that was not the intent. It was twenty of us in there, and we were there to train. So we had two lieutenants that were from the uh, bureau. Kind of, kind of legends on the job. I, I don't even want to say their names. They're both deceased, but they trained us, and and we probably trained. It was let's just say greater than an eight-hour day. Trained every day in the firehouse, and uh, did as many evolutions as you could conceivably do, uh, from trying to raise a banger that didn't work out well, <laughs> uh, to just about any ladder, leading out and SCBA training and all that. So and, until until the strike was actually over over and then uh so did other the other guys in your class who had gear were those guys on the street those guys, yeah and i kind of lost track of those folks i mean there were 800 in total and oh, if, really if you think about that fence it's like an entire platoon of firemen yeah that that's what it equates to yeah so it's a huge group well you think about now academy classes 100 in your class maybe? yeah 100 130 something yeah, yeah so, so a, a class of 800 is inconceivable you, you you couldn't do it you couldn't do it correctly so uh, a lot of us got credit for for what we did you know at the satellite house so after the strike we were given a couple of days off we went home and then we reported back to the academy and then the story that scott was trying to get out of me um from the academy were given assignments and i didn't know shit about the fire department i was hoping for engine 86 or something like that it was close to home and uh uh, uh actually i wasn't living there yet but uh that's that's where we ended up buying a house by 86 but uh, uh i was sent to the second division for an assignment so they would give every kid in in, in the room a division it, uh, a division assignment so you got in your car and go, and I had to get my book out to find, you know, where, where this so is. So it was basically like division relief. Well, you, no. So you go division to division to get your assignment. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So division is what districts are now. So 95's house, Ambulance 10, which they weren't there yet, in little mix-up of uh, uh, where <laughs> they used to be. But 95's house at Wilcox and Pulaski was the second division headquarters. So I walked onto the apron, knocked on the door, opened the door, and there was a guy there with his clipboard, probably a fireman. What's your name, kid? And it, you know, Nielsen, go to engine 44. Okay, fine. 
So I had to go get the book out and look look and find out where Engine 44 is. And at the time, it was at 3138 Lake. So uh, it, it was a single-engine house with a battalion chief in it. And I showed up, and this is this is after uh, this this is approaching dinner time when I got there. And forty four was uh, they were running with four four men. They had all been on strike. Um, the chief uh, on that day was actually the captain of forty four, who was acting in the buggy, and he he was a non striker. He was the only non striker in the house. Anyway, I didn't get a lot of lot of hugs when I walked in. Let's put it that way. But uh, they were eating dinner. And uh, they did invite me to eventually eat, and I ate, and uh, I jumped up and started doing the dishes, and uh, I think they all went in the basement for something. I'm not sure (laughs) what for, but uh, they all kind of disappeared. And uh, we did get a fire that night. and uh, You got a fire on your your first day in the firehouse? On my first day in the firehouse. Student watch, right? I was on student watch, of course, and that was that was a thing back then. And being on watch was a little more complicated than it is now. I mean, you yeah. can go to sleep now, but you kind of had to listen, especially when you had a buggy in the house. You had because he was not dispatched, so you had to listen to what was going around. And if uh, the still fell in his boundaries, you had to send them. So uh, we we a stolen came in during the night, and we sent the buggy, and the buggy got there, and uh, he pulled the box, and we responded. And we get there, and it was, uh, you know, stone box. Uh, it was a two-and-a-half-story two frame with an exposure, a little bit of exposure. We end up bleeding out, and uh, we pick up. And, and I got, got the pipe at the end of it, of course. Uh, but a uh, little bit of wash down and the exposure. And uh, we pick up, we go home, and we send in our return, which is on a telegraph system. So I send in, my, send in a return. And uh, the marshal line rings. Pick up the marshal line. I go, 44, was that you? It was the office calling, the office. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, I answered the phone, candidate Nielsen. Yeah, 44, is that you? Yeah, that was us. I said, what are you returning from? The stolen box at Augusta and Pulaski. You guys didn't belong there. <laughs> we didn't belong there. We were the fifth engine. Now, everything... Beyond the stills, dispatched not over the speaker, but it was over the uh, register. So it was a registered alarm. Now, I was on a student watch. I'll take a little bit of the blame, but the guy (laughs) that was with me said, hey, ring the bell, ring the bell, as soon as it came in, as soon as he boxed it, assuming that we were due there. But we weren't. So you guys went to the fire that you weren't due on. What... Were you first engine? Oh, no, no, no. So we were the fifth engine. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So you had four engines total. So you bought yourself a fire on the first day. But if you were the fifth engine due and you wound up being the first one there, I think it's... Oh, there would have been an investigation there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no. So that's my claim to fame. I got a fire on my first day, but didn't belong there. But you bought it. (laughs) Right, there's an asterisk by it. Yeah, right. I got to tell you, looking through this research, like one of my, my... silly my niche thing is that i like to ask every guy on every podcast like their their biggest ball buses they've had and i gotta tell you man i'm looking through and like my kind of guy that's Mark, a thick book you get there it's, yeah oh yeah it's <laughs> i mean a, there's a bunch of them i was gonna say like every assignment they're like oh Ask him about ask him about the glued quarters. Ask him about this. Like there's there's something to every assignment that you got. Nice. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna have to remember this time. Who, who gave you this so, information? Well, the glued quarters. What isn't until you become that's, an engineer at 107's house. Yeah. Mm. 
and the, the goat's head and... and the goat's head. Oh boy. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's still a couple couple other things I, I wanted to ask you about. 44. Sure. Um, so uh, Bandit, the firehouse dog. Is that so it? Bandit was a phenomenal dog, supposedly part wolf. I, I don't know how they figured that out. I don't know if they they didn't have DNA testing back there. I don't was, think. Was he at the old house or the? He new was house? at the old house. Well, he was at both. Well, he yeah. was at both. So we ended up in the new house with three dogs. Every fire company that meted at the at the new at met at the new house had a dog, of course. But Bandit was like the alpha. <laughs> but it, it, a tremendous guy. Uh, he wasn't allowed to ride with the chief on our platoon. So George Schechner would always, the dog would try. Well, he would look at George when they got to run. He'd just sit there and look at him, knowing that George is not going to invite him into the car. <laughs> but he rode frequently with, with Chief Banks on the second shift. So he, he, was a, he knew exactly where to go, and he'd get in the car. They'd go to a still. Bandit would get out of the car. He'd go piss on trees or whatever. <laughs> and uh, all the companies would pick up, and he'd find his way back somehow, usually with about eight other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a few stories about Bandit. There was a time when uh, uh, we had a fire on Warren Boulevard. I don't know why I remember it. I, I can't remember the last fire I went to, but I remember this. And I was trying to get Bandit to come inside with me. And we didn't have masks on. I'm trying to get him in, you know, and just see what, how he would react, react. But he wouldn't come past the front door. So he, he wouldn't come in at all. How about uh, the bus accident? Oh, God. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know if you know Lake and Tallman. Yeah. Lake and Tallman is notorious because the L pillars are on the sidewalk east of Tallman, and then west of Tallman, they become on the street. So The every, pillars are still undefeated. They are. They always win. <laughs> so on a Saturday night, somebody's going down Lake Street, and they whack, whack the L pillar. Uh, not too good for them. So we get it as a pennant, and uh, I was actually driving the buggy. I'm a kid. I, I I was 21, but I drove the buggy on the regular chi, uh, regular uh, uh, drivers daily. So uh, George Schechner kind of grabbed me for some reason. So we're driving, and the buggies back then were an auxiliary ambulance. So it was a suburban <laughs> ambulance, a, a suburban Can you vehicle. No, <laughs> with the stretcher in the back. That's all. There, no medical equipment. Believe me. Well, we did have uh, uh, an oxygen uh, uh, device called an E and J, uh, but it was a positive pressure uh, oxygen. We might have had a four by four or two, but not not much beyond that. So anyway, we get there. There was an ambulance there as well. There were two victims. So uh, ambulance forty five took one of them, and. Uh, all of a sudden, they extricate this guy, if you want to call it that. They dragged his ass out of the car, mm. and they put him on a stretcher, and they put him in. Now, he was a DOA. They put him on, in the back of the uh, stretcher of the buggy, and they said, Nielsen, take him. Go. So I go, and I'm, I'm by myself, by myself, going to county. We get to county. I had to yell for help. Hey, help me get this you know, stretcher out of the car. But on the way to county, I hear lapping. I hear a dog. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I look in the rearview mirror, bandits back there, and he's lapping up blood on the ground, oh, God. on the floor of the ambulance. I would have just let bandit out. <laughs> that would have been the end of bandit. Well, yeah, uh, now you got well, a vampire bandit, for a dog. Bandit was my uh, he was my EMT, uh, and he he did a good job. He stopped the bleeding. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, we get never to, heard a complaint. Get to county. Yeah, like I said, he was dead anyway, but. Uh, 
Uh, that might be a story I added out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got plenty of time. Uh, how about, uh, let's see, Chief Whispering on the Main. Oh, my God. So another time I'm, I'm uh, driving the buggy. It was on a D daily. I don't know how the heck I remember that, but I, uh, Artie Hansen was the uh, regular driver, and he had the D daily. So there was, uh, there was not too many uh, outside box locations, pull stations, yeah. when I came on the job. They were pretty much disbanded, taken away. But at one time, there were you know, street boxes all over the city. We had uh, Tommy Gretti in here, and he kind of gave us a little history of the bo- and you had the wind of the boxes. Oh yeah, to- yeah, yeah. So, so we did have one street box. Now, now they remained in institutional facilities and theaters and play, and they still do. They're still there. A lot of them have moved inside into it's the cool. lobby where you can't actually pull them on the outside. But we had one in our still district when I came on the job, and it was at St. Louis and Carroll, which happened to be across the street from a play lot. So it got dinged probably about three times a day. <laughs> So you got you got a full still for that kind of response, which was two engines and a truck and a chief, and the buggy would always race out the door and get there first. So we get there. George Schechner gets George Schechner was the old chief. He was probably sixty something years old at the time. He he had a bum hip and he wobbled over to the box. He reset it. He gets back in the car. He looked down the street. Holy shit! There's a fire. <laughs> Somebody pulled the box for good reason here. So. At that time, we didn't have any kind of fire ground radios or anything like that. We had one main channel, and they were on apparatus. That was it. The The battalion chief had a portable radio. But George gets on the radio on the main channel, and he whispers on main, 44, come back. <laughs> <laughs> like no one would hear it. <laughs> 44 comes back, puts the fire out. We go back to quarters. The marshal line didn't stop ringing. It, 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 it. <laughs> What 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 happened over there? What did George do? Would you so, would you compare uh, George Schechner to Tommy O'Donnell? Well, a lot of folks will say there's no comparison. Now, Tom, Tommy is definitely a legend, a definite legend. I mean, he's a war hero. He was at Our Lady of the Angels. Uh, George, I, I guess, comparable and kind of from that same era. Uh, George was in the military. Some people say, well, was he on our side? I'm not sure. I I don't know. He could have been a German army. But uh, uh, kind of different, a different kind of dude. Very quiet. uh, There's a a lot of cool videos of him on YouTube. Uh, O'Donnell or George? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, O'Donnell truly is a legend. Uh, George Schechner was kind of quiet. Uh, kind of to himself. I, I was telling Scott the other day, his, his deal, he wouldn't eat in the club, and uh, he had to watch Carol Burnett's show every night. <laughs> every night. And he would sit there with a pound of grapes and eat grapes. And, was and that, he the one that, that wouldn't box anything? Or Yeah, well, he was very similar regarding that, yeah, not yeah, boxing yeah. a fire. And, uh, you know, oddly, uh, Tommy O'Donnell used to always complain about George because he'd never pull a box. Right. George got in trouble for burning down a block, a block, on Madison Street, Oof. and he Someone's requested he requested a second truck to respond when we didn't get a second truck on a squad. He requested a third engine, and he requested a snorkel. So he's got all this extra equipment <laughs> without pulling a box. So he gets a division marshal that shows up, and George, what the fuck are you doing? And you just let him burn it down, and George ended up in the Fire Prevention Bureau as a chief for a two-week period. That was his, that was his punishment. punishment. Yeah, right. 
Right. But anyway, Tommy O'Donnell used, supposedly, I never heard it firsthand, you might ask Casey this, but, but he used to complain about George, not, you know, not pulling the box. And then Tommy kind of became the same animal uh, at the end of the day. Tommy, much more personable and much more for the men, let's put it that way. And he took care of his guys. Well, so um, you're, where are we now? We haven't got to 107 yet, right? No. And you know what, honestly, the, the last thing I definitely want to hit is, uh, uh, prank the engine 44 uh, engineer. Oh, God. Oh. This guy still hasn't gotten me back, and he promised too, <laughs> but he has not gotten me back. So this guy, he's actually got you, motherfucker. <laughs> right. he's, he's actually a relief engineer, so he's assigned to the 2nd District. Uh, he was a downtown fireman most of his career, so he comes to the west side, and it's like, you know, he, he wasn't too sure about us. Uh, I had a handful of years on the job at the time, but I had this idea. I don't know where the hell it came from. But with the register, uh, it, it was a mechanical device. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it put out tape, ticker tape, basically corresponding with where you're going to respond to. So I come up with this idea that I'm going to attach fishing line to the hammer of the register. This is at the new house? or the- This is at the new house. Yeah. <laughs> so we're at the new house, and you remember how the, the front, the tower is? Yeah. And I'm probably about eight feet away from the register with this fishing line. I have first watch. Jonesy, his name is, he's he's up there uh, with me, and we're watching TV, and I'm sitting in the corner, and all of a sudden I pull a box underneath the table. I'm yanking on this fishing line, and a box comes in. And I had prearranged what, what the location was going to be. So he gets up, he looks at the car, and he goes, oh, stolen box. It looks like uh, Halstead and 42nd Street or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of unenthused about it. And he's kind of curious why I'm so unenthused about it. And nothing on the radio, no transmission on the radio at all. And about five minutes later, I pull 211 at the same location. So I'm pulling on this string, making this thing active. And he goes up to the radio and he turns up the volume. <laughs> what the hell's going on? I, t- I tell him that thing's broke. It was, un- it was unplugged. And I said, it's broke. Don't worry about it. Okay, fine. Ten minutes later, a 311 at that location. <laughs> now, he goes to the rig. He doesn't turn the rig on, but he puts the battery on, and he's got the radio of the rig. And he's sitting in the front seat listening for any kind of radio activity, and there's nothing. He gets frustrated. He shuts it off. He comes back in the tower. I pull a 411. <laughs> now, it is February. Now, it's pretty cold outside. Next thing he doing, and he's getting pissed off because I haven't moved from the chair. I'm on watch. I haven't moved from this chair. What do you guys do on? You remember? We were not due. Oh, okay. we were not due. <laughs> so now he opens up the overhead door. He goes out in the middle of Kedzie, and he he looks south for a header. For a header. This is <laughs> this is miles away. He's looking. He's in the middle of the freaking street. I hear people honking at him. Hey, get out of the way. Yeah. He comes back in the firehouse, shuts the overhead door. He goes back to the rig, turns the radio back on. Nothing. No, silence. And he comes back pissed at me like there's no one, nobody saying anything on the radio. I pull a 511. 511. <laughs> now he's really frustrated. He goes, you're supposed to be on watch. What are you doing sitting there? You know, look at this card. Check. You know, he wanted me to verify that, that, that we're not doing anything. So all the guys in the house at that point, they, they knew what was going on, and they're all downstairs in the TV room. The next alarm, I pull a special, and I put 44 on it. <laughs> 
So he's right up. He gets right in the front seat. He starts the rig up. He's got the overhead doors. He's got the lights going. I get, I, I play along. I put my stuff on. I'm in the back. I go, Jonesy, I don't know where everyone else is. Let's go ring the bell again, <laughs> ring the bell again. Now they all come up the stairs. He goes, Jonesy, it's a prank. And he's like, what? <laughs> and they explain it to him. Oh, and yeah. he said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you one day. <laughs> So you better be paying attention because I'm going to get you. He later became the, the uh, engineer of 116. He retired about, I don't know, six years ago, but he hasn't gotten me yet. Jonesy, if you're listening. Uh, you well, speaking me. of which, actually, I'm from Florida. We got Jonesy coming into the <laughs> Yeah, right. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, he's fucking with you. Hey, so I told you I'd get you. <laughs> this is really not, this is not a podcast. Yeah. And there is video. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. So let's get back to you, Scotty. You... You um, let's f- go f- all the way to the point where you get on with the city. You um, what uh, did you win to get to one one? So before Chicago was on a police. That's where I met you. Right, right. So I was on a police. I was in Eleventh District, you know, on the west side, and then uh, got called. I did year and a half of probation. Called called for the class. Um, so I was in the class with my my brother. Brett, he was on uh, 68, and my two cousins, and um, uh, Josh Scannell and uh, Brian Terrell. Uh, Brian's at truck 22, and Josh is at truck 42. Uh, so we all got hired at the same time because of um, uh, line of duty preference. So my, my mom's dad died on line of duty. So we all, um, as soon as the where, test where, came where out. Where was he at? He was actually on the police department. He okay. died in 72. Uh, 72, I believe. 72. Yeah, he was yeah, in the 18th, was 18th district. 18th yeah. district with Cabrini. And uh, so died in 72, so, you know, well before my time. Uh, but as soon as, you know, I knew this preference, and, and um, as soon as the, the test came out, I encouraged my cousins who maybe didn't have, you know, that much interest in it. I said, just take the test, you know, and see, see what happens, whatever. So they took it, and, we, and then we all got hired at the same time. So uh, it worked out. But, uh, no, I, I had um, – I, I kind of I had the Eugene Blackman Award, okay, um, in wow. the in the class amongst others. Yeah, well, yeah, no, uh, and that that was where you wanted to go, no matter what, whether you would have gotten that award or not. Is that well, I, I wanted to go to number a, one. Pick? I wanted to go to a busy house, you know, no matter what. Um, we we weren't offered as you know much as other classes, you know, were it was slim were pickings offered. for yeah. you guys. Yeah, a little bit, but. Uh, no, it, it totally worked out. You know, Hunter uh, One's, you know, great house, the House of Bells. You yeah. know, it, uh, I think we're the busiest house in the city. I know you guys might be close uh, with the two ambulances. That's <laughs> the only reason why we are because of the two ambulances. Yeah. You know, uh, no, I, uh, I, I as don't far know as run wise goes, but. Uh, yeah, I think we were number five well, on the list. Yeah. So. So no, Scott, it's a, it's a so good group of guys. The, so you're on the police, Scott, and then. Um, and then you ended up getting that call. This is all so Gary, then CPD. Gary, yep, yep. Okay, yep. Wow. Yep, so. Um, so you, how many years did you put into Gary? And, and um, Gary was CPD? about two years. Okay. Yeah. And then you got the call for the police. Right. Were you? How'd you feel about getting on with the police? Uh, so at the time, I didn't know how the you know line of duty preference was, how long it was going to be until like you know until uh, the fire department you know offered a job and everything. So I um, I took the police just to just to get you know get, get on home. the city yeah yeah so 
for sure. Did um, so you got on with them? How long were you with the with CPD? Just a year and a half, oh, literally. Really? Yeah, a lot of a lot of nonsense with that, or how was that? Yeah, so I mean, I was on um, before the Laquan McDonald stuff and all that, so it was it was a lot Almost of fun. Charged up stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, we got to uh, we we did a lot of foot patrol initially, and then you know toward the end they kind of disbanded that. So I was I was right. My box was right by 107's house. The foot patrol box. It was literally from you know California to Kedzie and <laughs> Roosevelt to Harrison, like that whole area there. So which I know you're very familiar with those streets, but um. No, it was a, it was a good time. You know, I had, you know, I, I had You're a lot like of walking fun. a beat like it's the fucking seventies, huh? Yeah, I mean, we had a van, and you know, huh. it, it, yeah. So it was it wasn't literally walking the whole time, but you know, yeah. it was uh, the whole time you're there. You couldn't wait to get on the the fireside, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say anything yeah. notable with the with the police when you were there, or anything you could um, think of. No, I mean, you know, just uh, just the everyday, you know, just. You know, the west side, you know, it's it is what it is. Super you know? busy. Oh, yeah. Eleven is, uh, district it's is, always the, the yeah. busiest for, you know, for homicides every year. And, uh, you know, 15 to the west, 15th yeah. district is, you know, just as good. It's just a little smaller, you know. So, uh 11's huge, you know, it goes from uh, western all the way to Cicero, you know. Holy shit. Yeah. Roosevelt to division pretty much. So, yeah, covers a whole lot of the west side. Yeah. So And you're on foot. <laughs> Yeah, for the first for the right. first uh, part of it, you know, and then we were in cars and stuff. But yeah, and um, and and did a at a point when you were there, were you ever like, ah, I can make a make a thing out of this or being with the police? Or you were? Yeah, you, were you know, I I always thought, you know, if I if it if the fire department never worked out, you know, I can I could definitely, you know, there's yeah. so many different ways, you know, you can go with the police. There's so many, you know, you can get into, you know. The mounted unit and see, SWAT. We talking, there's a lot yeah, of. We had uh, like Brian Bardsley on, and he was like. You can go on their dive team. You can right. be a detective. Right. You can, you know, th- they had all kinds of right. stuff. But, yeah. uh, um, uh, man, where was I going with this? I mean, it's a tough job. They they definitely got it. You know, definitely way harder than you know than we do nowadays. And yeah. so, um, you went, you leave there, and, and you get to the academy. When you graduate, did you pin? Um, his star, unofficially, yeah, I think yeah. we did it on the side. His star and and his badge. I mean, it wasn't on stage or anything mm-hmm. like that, but we kind of set up a mock. Uh, yeah, do you, I mean, uh, what penny. there was, I know from talking to other people that that was a big thing, the pinning. Why did they take that away, like a formal yeah. formally take that away? I think, Vince, it just became time time consuming yeah yeah you had everyone and their mother and right. you know why well, work for streets and sand can i put can i put my you know sun star on yeah so it just became time consuming. for the fire department it used to be whatever yeah well yeah. i don't the police didn't they allow still it do i don't it. do they they, they yeah, allow they it still oh, do it. oh we i think yeah we did COVID, it with you know it's yeah it's right all virtual right. Right. and everything right. but but I mean, even when I was down there, they had stopped they it. They had stopped but, it. Yeah. yeah, right. Probably just time consuming. Yeah. And, and I know the mayor kind of maybe got in the way because he wants <laughs> things to kind of pick up a little. Well, bit. he's got things to do, you know. And uh, in theory, <laughs> 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 like yell at me. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Well, he uh, when I uh, crossed the stage, uh, Mayor Mayor Daly was there, and he gave this speech. We had just finished our one contract, and right before I crossed the stage, he gets up and he's like. Yeah, well, you know, we just finished the contract. I would have given you guys this. You guys took that. I would have given you this. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> We're all like, wow. what's going on here? You know, but wow. uh, 
It was yeah. a, it was an it was an interesting uh, graduation to say the least. Gotcha. So and you were and I know you were down in training for a little while. I was. Uh, I almost couldn't get out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how did you get? You got there. At what rank? So I, I was a battalion chief in the 8th Battalion, and uh, I kind of made a connection with Paul Martin on the fire department. Uh, I don't know if you know Paul, but uh, uh, Paul, Paul, really a good guy, a good-hearted guy, a very studious guy. Uh, we actually wrote a test together, and I think it was a captain's exam, and, and I got to know Paul. So uh, he was promoted to uh, a director of training, and he was told by the commissioner that you can pick your assistant. You can pick whoever you want. So he gave me a call. I, I was probably the 87th guy on the list. I don't know, <laughs> but but I did get that call. And we met at a pancake house at 33rd. I'm not, I'm not the right guy. I'm the guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> we met at a pancake house at 33rd and Cicero. And uh, uh, he bought me breakfast. That was a big plus. And he offered me that, that position. He said, would you be interested? And actually, first I said, you know, let me think about that and, and you know, get all the particulars ironed out. But I took it. Uh, and it, at that time, there were a lot of pluses for being exempt rank, one of which is what's referred to as a brass bill, which uh, I didn't technically qualify it for at the time. But I thought there would be an age change that would allow me to, to take that on. So I took it, and uh, Paul had left. Uh, Edge, Edge came in as a director of training, who was a tremendous, tremendous chief, and uh, worked under him for a couple of years, and then I uh, went on to uh, director of safety. Well, I know that um, right about the time when you were leaving, weren't they trying to change that brass bill on you guys? Well, they were. Yeah, there were a lot of attempts to try to make, make it happen, actually. And one of the reasons I left in 2017 is because we finally got official word that this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Prior to that... It, it, Explain to everybody what the benefits of the brat and how that would well, affect you. Basically, your pension is going to reflect your exact rank and whatever your monetary... Because uh, you spend a lot of time as an exempt rank... I did. Um, I did. Which, From I mean, a lot of people outside of, you know, the Chicago Fire Department don't understand how that works, but sure. you, you're kind of taking a step to the side out of being in the union, right? You are, yeah. You are you are technically out of the union, and under uh, Cortez Trotter, uh, it became official because prior to that, uh, even exempt rank members were allowed to be uh, union members, at least insofar as uh, dues collection from your check. Uh, but uh, Commissioner Trotter put an end to that. And if you wanted to uh, continue to give local two dues, which I did, you had to write a check every year. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I continue to do that, just thinking it's the right thing to do. Uh, didn't didn't have to do it by any means, but I uh, thought it was the right thing to do and support local two. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I know that... Um, um, you know, you did spend, uh, um, you know, for at least for as long as I've known you, um, you've been at that exempt rank. Right. Since 04. Since uh, 04. Okay. 04 is when I officially went into it. And, again, it was kind of the hot dog in front of your uh, right. face, the brass bill. And, and we we all thought the, the actual date would change, allowing you if to benefit. If they weren't holding that out in front of you, would you have left sooner? I'm going back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing, and, and it was kind of going back and forth every year. Oh, yeah, we're going to get it. We're not going to get it. 
and I stuck. I stuck a number of years into, until 2017. And uh, like I said, that was that was one of the final reasons that I actually did uh, retire in that yeah. year. And it caught a lot of people by surprise. And uh, uh, Pat Maloney, who retired today, today's his last day. Pat's an awesome guy. I don't know if he's listening, but... Uh, Just Corey's aunt's... You know, we yeah, had yeah, three or four, of them. three or Tops. four of them. <laughs> anyway, Pat, I, I said to Pat when I found out I was retiring, he said, Hey, you kind of caught me by surprise. And he said, You did too. You did too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and I, I told Scott and many others that everything came in, all the stars came in a line that year. Yeah. So the 3% benefit, uh, there was a, a age change that enabled me to get that. Uh, I was able to get medical, and then I... We, That's the big one, right? That was a big one, yeah. and then we got that final answer regarding the, the brass bill. So I went right to Jose's office, and can I go now? And he said, yeah. How many commissioners did you work for? Uh, I'm going to be a liar, but I think nine. Nine? I, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you call Blair one of them, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you, uh, I mean... We, we got you, a lot you, of grunt time to study. <laughs> we got a, I mean, yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about moving to 107. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, um, I got ahead of myself here, Corey. I, I apologize, buddy. Hey, I've done this two or three times. Yeah, you have. I, so <laughs> you're promoted right away. Like, what, five years? Uh, engineer? Engineer? I was an engineer. Six inch, years. Uh, and let's see, from uh, 86 until 89. Yeah. Really, only three years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you, yeah. you got promoted as Six a fireman as a to fireman. an engineer? Correct. Wow. Yeah. And, and from at that 44. promotion, did you, you were assigned right away to 107? It was or? pretty quick, Corey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which, which is an oddity because I didn't have a lot of time on the job, but I took a spot that nobody wanted. It was Vince's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Referred to as a car wash. I don't know why they called it's it a car wash. It's a coveted spot now. It. Oh, you I know, know for, especially for EMS. <laughs> was it two ambulances in there? Was it because Vince's was there at the time? <laughs> I think I, they knew he was coming. That's what it There's was. There's this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's gonna he's gonna slip you something. He's for gonna sure. be he's gonna be something someday. Right. <laughs> Corey, I was in a position where literally nobody put in for it. There was literally no one because I, wow. I was I, I was promoted with uh, I think fifty two engineers. I was 49 seniority wise, wise amongst those uh, engineers. You went to the second, right? I did initially go to the second, yeah. So I, I went from 44 to the second district relieving. Uh, actually, my first day as an engineer, I can tell you this. I, I, like, I, I can't tell you what I had for breakfast this morning, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I, July 4th, 1986, I was at Engine 115 on the far south side. I had never been there. Uh, it's at 119th in Peoria, and uh, it, it was like an old guy's house. It was an old guy's firehouse. They didn't do they didn't do anything. I don't know what they do now, but they didn't do anything back then. That's yeah. the house they, they say you can uh, drop a bomb uh, across the street and no one would know about it. <laughs> no one would know it. Yeah. It's well, like, oddly enough, we got a like fire. In the, <laughs> we got a fire in the middle of the night, Oof. and I was second engine, and we ended up not even leading out. But uh, huh. uh, but. Getting there was a challenge, uh, but we did it's all okay. numbers. It's all numbers. Well, it's with you coming on when you did, letters. how long did it take for you to feel comfortable with the guys? Like, I, I imagine that that took a while for you know you guys to kind of sort it out between you at forty four. Yeah, it, it, it did. I mean, being in a single engine uh, culture, 
I, I think that helped matters. And uh, can you uh, say there was a, f- a funeral though? There was, and if you could tell my personality, I'm I'm pretty open and uh, and and I was accepted pretty pretty quick. Uh, not invited to the basement right away, but accepted. Uh, but like Scott was saying, there was uh, a gentleman that was uh, that was ill during the entire strike, but well respected guy. Uh, his last name was Carter, and and he perished right around uh, just after the strike in March. And they were looking for uh, honor guards. Paul so, Yeah, yeah. So just stand by the casket, and, mm. and I did, and I did that, and I think that. Uh, I don't know if that was ultimately what got my respect, if you will, or not. But uh, they started talking to me from that day on. Let's put it that way. So uh, another person, I'm going to say this name, don't laugh. His name was Dick Bush. That's his (laughs) real name. Uh, Dick was an awesome guy. And he was a a striker. He was on Engine 44. And he was my mentor. He was my mentor. And he just just died a year ago. And, uh, you know, raise our glasses to Dick. I mean, a great guy. Here's to you, Dick. But uh, uh, Dick, Dick was prior prior uh, Morton Grove Fire Department uh, fireman for uh, I think five six years, and then he came in the city, and he was on forty four in the heyday. He really was. I, I I can't take that claim. We were definitely not the heyday. How many runs were you doing back then when you were there? Five. Really? <laughs> I tell Scott. I mean, you guys blow us away now. Uh, now keep in mind, Vince, that we weren't doing EMS at all. So. Everything was fire related, even though sometimes it was a box check. You guys weren't doing CPR, we weren't doing CPR, or even yeah, invalid. You guys weren't even considered first responders then, right? No, not at all. No, except the buggy. The buggy was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, the engine only went on a went on a fire related response. We tended to do, and my captain brought this to my attention about midway. He said, "You know what? We're doing about a fire a day." And that, that was that was about it. We had some kind of lead out uh, every every single day. Well, if you're if you're only doing five runs a day and you're getting a fire, I mean that's doing pretty well out there. It's a perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who yeah. wouldn't want that? Sign up for that, you know? Yeah. Right, 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 right. And your yeah. captain at the time was Gannat, right? Well, initially it was uh, Chief Gannat. I'm going to call him Chief. He, he was an awesome, awesome guy. But that was a very short time. So uh, Eddie Gannat, uh, I told you my first day in the firehouse, he was actually the captain of 44. He was in the buggy that day. So that was a common practice where they were acting up. But uh, he was my captain until April 1st. He was promoted. He thought it was an April Fool's joke when the, when the order came out. But uh, promoted the chief on that day. And uh, uh so how did that work with the, the chief would jump in the buggy, but what if the engine got a run? Or they'd have a fireman acting up. And and on my first day, it was Dick Bush. He was the acting officer on, okay. on, on 44. Yeah. So yeah. you guys would go four guys to a well, fire? Well, I was, I was the fifth guy that evening. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it became contractual. I don't know when the can't. The contract was actually ratified after the strike and when it became gospel. I'm not sure. Uh, but to my recollection, we pretty much had five guys from that day on. Yeah, I, I don't remember being short of that on any day. Yeah. Okay. And I know, you know, uh, Corey's got your whole timeline there, and I've, mm-hmm. I know that, uh, um, you know, you've you've gone through the normal ranked as, but it just seems that the speed in which you got there 
was accelerated, right? It, it, it was quick. I mean, I, I've been blessed, and I tell people timing is everything. Yeah. It, it truly is. I mean, you got a guy that's Scott, like Scott that's 31. When I was 31, I was uh, taking a captain's exam already. <laughs> I was 36. I wow. was a chief. I mean, timing is truly everything. I mean, it took me nine years to make lieutenant, uh, but, of course, that was uh, with, with the engineer promotion as well. Uh, but, really, that's what it was about. And I kind of had, like I said, I went to medic school before, and it was it was my... Uh, so you, my, you weren't a crossover? I was not. I okay. mean, there was really no such thing as a right. crossover back then. There was no the ambulance program. But who was doing ambulances back then? Ambulance runs back then. Yeah, uh, who would show? We still had the ambulance. we still had the ambulance. Just a single ambulance. That was it. Oh, okay. that's what you, you got. Still had single yeah. role paramedics. Yeah. Now, oh, okay. Now we did respond for like we we did do CPR assist. We did do that, uh, but uh, other, we we didn't do first responder at all for right. the EMS side. Well, but, thank God they changed that because I mean, especially yeah. with as many runs as these guys are doing, sure, um, a day like you'd have medics that would have a five-year career oh, at yeah. that pace, you know? Right. Yep. Um, so, yep. Who were some of the names at 44? You had, you had uh, Earl Larson. Well, right? Earl Larson was my captain after Eddie Gannett. And that's, so, that's Jeff Larson's oh, really? dad. Yeah. Who ironically owned Advanced Ambulance, who I worked for. <laughs> Any coincidence? Actually not, because I had gone to 44 before Earl came there. Oh. Uh, but Earl was, uh, uh, he, he was a lieutenant on Truck 36, which was down the street. And uh, So the truck was in a different house back then? They were. It was just a single-engine house on Lake Street. And Engine 85 was? Engine 85 was by themselves at Huron and, and Lawndale. And that's where Ambulance 10 was, by the way. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. And they all different came, different they all landscape back then, huh? Uh, another Schechner story that I didn't witness, but I heard about it, but there was a fire, like, across the street from 85's house, and he didn't want to pull a box, of course. <laughs> so he, Amos 10, for some reason, was in quarters, and he grabbed the medics and said, man, these lines. Had them on the line, so he had the ambulance on the lines, and then he maybe asked for a third engine and maybe a second truck, but that was as far as he'd go. <laughs> Just step on the hose and it, yeah, another week in the bureau, George. <laughs> yeah, I need another special for an extra ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, so you make engineer. How uh, how was that promotion? Pretty uh, like was that a big deal for you? Well, for me, it was. I mean, was I, I studied hard for it. I, I landed uh, at the top. Now. Uh, I told you 52 people got promoted on that order, mm-hmm. and everyone in theory got a 100. <laughs> uh, basically, it was a, it was a written test mm-hmm. and then a practical that was uh, associated with it. And it was a, a 50, 52-way tie. And on the order, you were listed by seniority, and I was 49 on the order. So, I mean, that didn't much matter. But uh, it was interesting because we had some guys that uh, had – we were broken down into three groups for the academy training. Mm-hmm. We had guys that were in the first group that were now instructors for my group wow. off the same list. <laughs> wow. And, that's and how the, fast things are. That's how fast things went. And, and the biggest emphasis in the training was double clutching and driving a stick shift if you hadn't already because most of our rigs, most of our engines were sticks. Yeah. Uh, and that was a big emphasis. I mean, a little bit on, you know, flow memory and friction loss and that kind of thing, but basically just step on the hose and make sure the pressure's right and you're good. Uh. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories podcast and their guests. 
They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.